Hello and welcome to the All Terrain Podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. My name is Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way, they'll make four choices and answer four questions. My guest for this episode is Gemma Hunt. Gemma is a TV presenter who has, for the past 17 years, become a well-known face to families all over the UK for her work on CBBC and CBeebies. She hosted the BAFTA award-winning show Swashbuckle and Gemma herself was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Presenter in 2017. She joined the presenting team for Songs of Praise in 2020 and has hosted live at festivals around the UK, including Big Church Day Out. It was a huge pleasure to chat to Gemma at the start of February. So let's jump straight into that conversation. Hello Gemma, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No, it's lovely to have you here. Now we heard a bit in the intro about your life and, and of course I think even if you don't have kids, they recognise you. you you've, I think kids presenters become so well known across the whole country that people would go, I know who that is because you're just on everything, right? Yeah, and also I guess we're part of your family from when your children are quite young. Yes. So we become like the babysitter occasionally when you have to go and cook the dinner or put the kettle on. Occasionally, <laughs> yes, definitely occasionally. Definitely not all the time in lockdown. You're right. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> definitely hey, occasionally. I don't judge any parent that does that. I do not judge. Although technically <laughs> you're still looking after your kids. Surely if it's you on telly, surely if it's just a couple of episodes of Swashbuckle and a CBB's prom, you're still parenting. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I do for the win. <laughs> Um, just on that so I was I was watching again the other day I've got two kids under seven so I was watching the other day and and uh, it was a I think it was in the I think it was in Manchester with the BBC Philharmonic and it was it was you and uh, the two guys from Swashbuckle and and there must be a point at which you go this is a full orchestra in a full concert hall that is an amazing experience right oh it's absolutely nuts and I look around and think they are playing the Swashbuckle salute for me (laughs) Like, are they wondering, what has my career become? <laughs> I think they're having the best time. It's a bit, we, we went to the CBB's prom uh, four years ago, three years ago, maybe in the Albert Hall. And it was utterly remarkable because it was a full orchestra. Also, the production value is just amazing anyway. And, and, but also the audience are so, like anything with kids, they don't know the rules, right? Yeah, it's a really great experience. And I think it's great for, for children to experience live concerts in that mm. way because like you say they, they don't know the protocol but I love that about kids I love that they just go oh, on their brilliant. instincts it's good yeah yeah it is it's really good it's really lovely and we had that yeah we had a great experience and and you also have we've talked already you have a family yourself tell us a bit about home life and what that looks like away from the tv stuff yeah so I'm married we have a four-year-old daughter and um so it's been an interesting year I guess she's really mm. happy to have mummy and daddy around an awful lot because normally I'm away working a lot and my husband is yeah. a as a musician and a lecturer so he's often working quite strict wow. um, shifts and teaching so it's been an interesting year for mm. us we've made the most of where we live and our garden and yes. treating each room giving each room a little bit of a different theme so I'm now coming oh, to you great. from the living room slash playroom now these days. Oh, lovely. We're, we've been doing that, but we've also been trying to make sure that my husband and I have date nights still. Oh, yes, definitely. A purposeful evening where we are going to maybe again just sit and watch a movie, but we're going to make it a bit yes. more special, make it a date night. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. leave the phones yeah. out the room, maybe light some yes. candles or some, have a nice great. meal beforehand. Just try and differentiate it from another night of watching the same old box set. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's great. That, I mean, that's great. I mean, and also, if anyone listening who was married or in a relationship was able just to do that this week, I think things would be better, right? It's those yeah. simple things sometimes. It really is. 
Now, before we get started with the questions, you've got to make two of your choices. So where are we walking on our hypothetical hike? Okay, so we are going to be walking along the Kennet and Avon Canal in Wiltshire. So I grew up in Trowbridge in the West Country. And, okay. and it's actually not much of a hike. It's more of an amble because I like to chat, but I don't want to get out of breath. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're speaking my language. Yeah. You're speaking so, my language here. So we're going to go from the Hilperton Locks, which is near where, my, where I grew up, um, at the lovely little country school called Staverton. And we're going to walk along to Bradford and Avon, which is a really beautiful, I think it's a Saxon um, town. And there's loads of history there. It's it's so stunning. And the walkway along the canal is just beautiful, looking over mm. the fields and seeing the barges go past and the, and the animals in the field. It's very idyllic. And there's a great pub that we can go to um, in Freshford. So we're going to go sit down there and they, they do really great food and you can look out over this like waterfall. It's just stunning. Wonderful. Now, obviously you and I are there, but you get to bring three people with you, one living, one dead, one fictional. So who's coming? Who's our living walking buddy? Um, so I would really like to take my nan. She's called Daisy and she is one of my heroes. She's a Jamaican mama. She is just fierce. We lost my granddad about three years ago now and and she's such a, an independent woman. She's a woman of faith. She's She's got so many stories to tell. She cooks the most amazing food, Caribbean food, which I absolutely yes, I mean. love. So, so yeah, she's definitely going to come with us. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't bring her, I will. She could be on my list. That's amazing. That ticks all the boxes. First of all, she has an amazing nan name. Daisy is a perfect nan name. Yeah. Then I heard Caribbean food. Yeah. Then I heard she's fierce. You're talking my language. This is like perfect company. I love it. Great. Yeah. Now, as someone who's dead, who's coming with us? Uh, I, I mean, it still saddens me that she's not here anymore, but I absolutely love Whitney Houston and her music mm. and I've introduced our four-year-old daughter to her and when we listen to her in the car she says no mummy stop singing because she wants to listen to Whitney <laughs> and so occasionally then she'll have a, a Whitney song go around in her head and she'll say oh mummy I can't get Whitney out of my head I'm like it's fine it's good to have her mm. there <laughs> such a such a, an incredible talent and I don't I mean obviously if you, you're a big fan if you've seen the documentary uh, just a tale of real tragedy and not the story I thought I think everyone thinks they know the story of Whitney Houston. Yeah. But actually, when you go back and back and back and back, you realize that it is a life of, of trauma and tragedy and sadness, mm -hmm. but with this incredible talent. And then those two things come together. And, and, and it's, it's well worth a watch. I think even if you're not a huge fan of Whitney Houston's music, watch the, watch the documentary mm. because you really don't know her story if you don't know her story. Yeah. It, was, it was really, really interesting. Yeah, true. And finally, a fictional character. Now... <laughs> I am a huge fan, even as an adult, of Roald Dahl and his books. And I used to collect up my pocket money and go and buy mm. one of his books every couple of weeks and got through them, just devoured them. So my fictional character would have to be the BFG because he Ooh. is a big caring for, I think he is misunderstood and he does great things for people and the way that he takes in the little girl and loves her and cares for her but equally does something that I do it just makes up words so like <laughs> snozcumbers that he would eat those grimy disgusting slimy vegetable that look a bit like a moldy cucumber that can then get sliced yeah. and they just smell and they're disgusting yeah and then also I am a teenage child when it comes to toilet humor and so the fact that he does whiz pops I find very yeah. funny. Even as a 38-year-old yeah. woman, I still find it really yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. 
it's just a, such a lovely story I, and I think that as a young child reading it it really awakened something in my imagination to mm. the point that even now as I'm recalling it I can still picture what it was that I created in my mind as a child mm-hmm. and I still mm-hmm. delight in it now as an adult yeah and also being a bit taller if I get a bit tired I could get a piggyback oh, and I'm yeah. always thinking about I always have to think about you know I I'm not much for walking even in lockdown I'm not much of a walker so I'd probably get about halfway to that beautiful pub with the food and the view and then probably need a lift. So that's good. That means that, you know, you and your nan don't have to sort of carry me. That's exactly. good. That's a and good we'd sign. be there much quicker because he's a giant. He strides exactly. and, he, and he can exactly. kind of like jump, can't he? So Yeah, that is going to be an excellent walking party. I'm very excited, Gemma. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward <laughs> to this one. Now, every guest on the Ultra podcast answers the same four questions. So here's the first one. How do you face change? Uh, normally with some anxiety butterflies in my tummy. But equally, Mm. I quite like a challenge and I don't like to be stuck in a rut. I like being comfortable. I love it when I do jobs like Panto, when I know I'm going into Mm. work and I know that I'm doing the same gig every single day. So I haven't really kind of have to think Mm -hmm. it becomes second nature. But Mm. then I do like to mix things up a bit so that I don't get stale. I think it'd be very easy just to Mm. kind of keep churning out the same old, especially as a performer. And I don't want to just be Mm -hmm. pigeonholed into a particular category of, a style of presenting Mm. or a a genre Mm. so Mm. I think initially I'm a little bit fearful of change but I know that it's always going to grow me and it's going to Mm. hopefully then inspire me which will then bless other people so yeah that's kind of Mm. how I would tackle change I think it's interesting. I work in the same industry as you. I obviously work on the other side of the camera. The, the truth is for, for everyone in that industry, and you said your husband's a musician, same thing as well, right? Um, it's often short-term jobs with nothing guaranteed at the end of it. And and actually incredibly competitive. You're in an incredibly competitive position to get to where you got to and have, have continued to be. There are a lot of people who would like what you do to be their job. So uh, I guess for, for you, change has probably been more regular than people would realize because people probably assume you wake up every day, go to the BBC and do your job. But that's not really the reality, is it? No, it really isn't. And like you say, being freelance, I normally get to this time of the year and have no idea what I'm going to be doing in terms of being able yep. to pay the bills yep. for the next 12 months and and yep. even more yep. so throughout the pandemic so yeah there is no certainty and so but then I think with my faith I've always just had that assurance that I know I'll be okay because for me mm. God hasn't let me down yet so I'm pretty mm. sure he's not going to let me down in the future so there is always that assurance I suppose but I think in a way we get comfortable don't we we don't like change mm-hmm. it's like when you new school term and you've got your new school shoes on and ow they really hurt at first and it's really uncomfortable Mm. but by the end of term they're scuffed up they're worn in they're comfy and so you know it's going to be all right in the end you just have to kind of have to go through that breaking in season Um, now you're you're very public about your faith you you do things obviously you you presented on the alpha course if anyone's seen the newest uh, iteration of the alpha course uh the prayer course with pete gregg you present on that you've you've continued to work at christian events and festivals and big church day out and stuff like that for you what's your sort of faith story where does your faith journey come from so my mum is a christian my nan as i mentioned earlier she's a Mm. woman of faith and lots of the people in my family are and so I kind of grew up around that as an environment um, and started going to church with my mum from a very young age. Then my parents separated when I was four and then alternate weekends I'd be with my mum. We'd go to church weekends when I was with my dad. I didn't get to go. And so growing up, it was kind of, I had a real choice in terms of mm. my faith. 
I could be an alternate weekend Christian <laughs> or I could be a Christian all the time. And, and I think mm. for the first 11 years as a child, I was probably a bit of an alternate weekend Christian. Loved mm. being a little bit of a rebel. And I think maybe it was a bit of an attention seeker being an only child mm. and single and parents that are separated. I was often vying for attention. And so would just be a bit of a monkey those weeks that I was at church and was probably that annoying child in Sunday school that was sweetness and light on the outside, but then got a little bit cheeky <laughs> in Sunday school. Mm. And then one of our youth leaders suggested that we go to a summer camp called Hill House down in Bridgewater that was a summer camp for a whole week in the summer where lots of different children and youth from all around the country, but mainly the Southwest, but some people did come from London, mm. um, would come down and would have a whole week where we'd have Bible study and prayer times and, and events in the evening, so like mini services. But then that was peppered with sporting events and dressing up activities and, and mm. day trips and swimming events. And, and it was just so much fun. And for me, being... 10 11 years old and going and seeing loads of other christians in an environment that was really fun and life-giving i thought wow this is really mm. real and great and then there was one night where we watched the passion film and i just saw this guy jesus that i've been learning about that i knew about but hadn't really paid much attention mm. to on the cross suffering immense pain for me so that i could live a life that was free and it just hit me that if someone could do that for me, then I need to make sure mm. that I'm living a life that is good and honourable and right and pleasing for him. So I then came mm. home after becoming a Christian, in, in inverted commas, giving my life to Jesus, yeah. becoming best friends of Jesus, trying to use it in lots of different terms that people might be able to understand, because mm. often it sounds a bit weird when you say, oh, I became a Christian. Um, so yeah, I came, I made the active choice to be, be a Christian at 11. I came home and told my mum, and she was out in the garden washing and um, hanging out the washing. And without even looking around to, to look to acknowledge me, she then said to me, all right, how long will that last? And I thought, wow. ooh, all right, mother, I'll show you that I'm taking this seriously. And it's not to say that my whole faith has been based on proving my mother wrong. Mm. <laughs> all right. Um, but I actually <laughs> wanted to, uh, I wanted to, I think I, th I wanted to pursue it because I knew that I needed that kick up the backside to take it seriously and and it's mm. not been easy we mm. all know that walking in with faith is doesn't make life instantly perfect or plain sailing mm. it, it just means that for me i've got a crutch now to, to depend on somebody mm. that i can rely on when life and other people disappoint me and let me down i've got that mm. assurance that who i am in christ and where i'm going with his help and his support and so then to go back to then what you were saying before about then the fact that in this uncertain industry, very competitive environment that you work within, that sense of not having that necessary stability of employment or any of those things. How has your faith played a part in your career then, in your career choices? I had a prophetic word that was spoken over me when I was 16 at Soul Survivor, when it was down in Shepton Mallet. And that was that I would be salt and light in the dark place of the media. And so I took that very seriously and that then changed or honed in my career choices in terms of where I was going to study. So I studied a media mm. performance degree in Luton, um, came out of that and met my agent, who is still my agent, like 18 years later, um, wow. who got me the interview at the BBC. And so I've just put my faith at the front from the very beginning. So mm. when I went for my audition at the BBC, um, I had to talk for a minute to show that I could fill time. And I spoke mm. about the summer camp where I became a Christian. Mm. So I talked mm. about that because I just also wanted people to know that that's who I am and that's what I stand for. And 
this mm. is kind of who you would potentially be taking on board, which they chose mm. to. Um, mm. So I've always made sure that I've been honest with who I am. I've definitely made some massive mistakes and I've hugely let God down and made some poor faith choices on my journey. But knowing that I have that love, that acceptance, that forgiveness, that I could be the prodigal daughter and I can run back to Father God at any point mm. and he is definitely there, not judging me, but it's mm. like, okay, let's clean you up again, sort you mm. out, let's get you back on track again. So mm. that has always really been affirming mm. for me. And I just guess that having that faith has given me the the self-assurance as well in the, in an industry where my self-worth has been really battered at times by different mm. people, by um, rejection in work or by from people. And I suppose having my faith to to support me, my backbone has been mm-hmm. has been crucial in ensuring mm. that I am still here 18 years later. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, I'm interested in something you said there, uh, which was about that prophetic word being about the, the dark place. I, I guess that's often a phrase that people use. And it's one that I've always slightly struggled with when it comes to uh, the industry I work in. What? If you think about that now and you think about where you are now, what, what does that, what do those words mean to you, dark place? Because I guess what, what I guess people will hear when they hear that is often they'll hear, so, you know, some sort of, you know, mad debauchery, horrible, they'll, they'll hear all these other things. That has never been my experience. I have to no. remember that's never been my experience. What would you say that prophetic word has carried through in terms of what dark place meant? Yeah. And it's not to say that the media world is evil either. I think for me, it's where God is absent. And so for me, it's been coming in and bringing god and bringing his love into the industry where i am i guess then for you that foundation of your faith from that prophetic word at soul survivor right through tonight is that what carries you through the changes that for you are daily weekly monthly yearly is it is it that that is has sort of sustained you in a very kind of i I guess is the word unchanging is that has it sustained you in an unchanging way simply yes (laughs) yeah Mm, I, I love that I think that's amazing I really do uh, the, the next question always flows so beautifully out of change just because of the way the questions are written by Alexander John Shire um, how do we move through suffering I believe that we need to feel the pain I think that if we try and bypass the pain of suffering then we don't fully heal I um, went through a really traumatic relationship a few years ago and was seeing a counsellor he talked about the grief curve and how you sort of start off with something and then something happens in your life where you then sink to the bottom of this big pit, the grief curve, and and it takes a long time then for you to, to heal and to work your way back out again to get to a level field. But some people try and build a bridge over the curve and actually that doesn't help things. And we, that we need to feel the pain and experience it and, and live it out, process it, and then find some purpose in that pain to be able to come out the other side. So yeah, suffering, it's not fun. It, does, it doesn't bypass anyone. We all experience it in, in some way, shape or form. And I just think that in those moments, it's trying to, for me, still praise through the pain, still, be, still mm. try and find joy or still try and find some understanding as to why I'm going through this at that time mm. to think, mm. okay, this is character building. There's something that I'm being taught here that I obviously didn't pay attention to in the past. Mm. So I need to go through this season in order to grow and to get better. And then biblically, once I've been through this season and suffered, it means I can then support other people who are going through it and help Mm. them get through that process maybe a little bit quicker 
or mm. suggest or advise if they ask for it um ways mm. that they can maybe avoid their pain or suffering by not doing the things that i did and mm. trying to and so they can learn from my experience mm. just two things that caught my ear there one is obviously counseling and and again I, the the freedom i think about organizations like uh, kintsuji hope and others that are around now you know when i was growing up we didn't talk about counseling or mental health in church definitely not that was like that was that was mad you didn't do that at all and 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 certainly for my parents generation the idea of talking about your counseling or putting a tweet or writing a blog about going through counseling just is completely alien to that that particular generation but for i think for people of of our age for, for and certainly people younger than us now um that's going to be such a real thing how important was that as part of your journey the counseling experience massively important because the relationship i was in um i had lost my voice in that relationship and i mm. felt very silenced so being able to speak to actually a christian counselor i found really liberating and freeing and i think it was the first session i went in very matter of fact just spoke about it the second session i just cried the entire time as mm. i realized just mm. what i needed to process and to deal with and so mm. I'm, I'm totally for counselling. I think it's a sign of strength asking for help. It's definitely not a sign yeah. of weakness. Uh, I loved the example you gave of that idea of, you know, you have to feel it. You can't build a bridge across it. And I guess that's part of what avoiding something like counselling, avoiding going into that place. I guess in many ways, when you look back on that, that probably feels like such wisdom. But when you're in it, when you're in the curve, when you're right at the bottom of the curve, it can sometimes be very hard to reflect on that or know that this is going to do you good what in those worst moments for you in those moments of feeling the pain what sustained you up the other side i think you're so right and often when you're in that moment you no matter what anyone says to you you might not believe them if they're trying to encourage you or they're trying to build you up or give you hope mm. because you're not feeling it you can't mm -hmm. believe it and so for mm -hmm. me i journaled and I just put all of those right. feelings, I just wrote them down because I felt like nobody got it. And they're all saying, oh, it'll be okay. And and like, and like God's with you and he hasn't forgotten you and he loves you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh! Right, 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 mm. right. I'm so mm. angry. I feel so mm -hmm. disappointed. Where are you, God? What is going on? Why am I experiencing this? Why haven't you answered my prayer? I'm really hurt right now. This is not fair. Mm -hmm. Why is this person managing with it? And I'm not. I'm, ah, la, 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 la. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just writing mm -hmm. it all down because God can take it <laughs> and so i'm like right if you can take it then mate you're having it <laughs> do you know what i love so um right before we started recording Gemma very kindly said hello to my son who was very excited to come and, to come and see you i'm just absolutely thrilled that, that you're here and so you, you spoke to him for a minute but just where he was standing two weeks ago a friend of ours has been incredibly unwell over the past few weeks and he came to me and i was working and he tapped me on the shoulder he said daddy i need to tell you something but i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say this and i'm I'm not even sure if this is okay, but I've just been upstairs really telling God off. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what, what for? And he said, well, I just don't think it's fair that people get sick. And I just don't think it's fair that people die. And I just don't think it's fair that my friend right now is really sad about this person and her family who's really unwell. And so I told him off and I'm not sure if that's okay. And, and so we went and we, and I, I literally, I sort of stopped what I was doing and I, I, I grabbed the Bible and we went to some of the Psalms and I said, you have to know it's okay because I'm not sure if I was told it was okay young enough. You have to know it's okay yeah. to, to shout, to scream, to get angry, to, to rant in a journal. What a great suggestion that is. Just write it all down. You have to know it's okay to do that. And I, I, I think those words that you've just said are going to be so freeing for someone listening because right now I think there's going to be a lot of people at the bottom of the curve. Yeah 
going, if only I could just let this out somehow, not knowing that, like you said, God can take it. Yeah. God can just take it. Um, I guess now, do you keep, I'm interested in the journals. Do you keep them or do you go back to them? Have you read them since? Are they something you use now as part of your journey today? Yeah, I do occasionally look back at them and I, and I really toy between whether to keep them or destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> because reading back at them it reawakens something in me I mean I've learned a lot yes. through them but then I think do I want my daughter to read these in the future would that be helpful but then mm. I think oh there's so many things that I've put in there that it's so good to see where I've come from and what I've been through and how God has brought me yeah. through this yeah. and I am journaling now but now it's a very different one it's more kind of lessons of life that God has shown me and Great prophetic words or song lyrics or a bible verse things that just feel quite profound in the moment and just mm. jotting them down so not journaling in the same way i used to be a kind of dear diary type yeah. journaler <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um and uh yeah and I, i'm not like that anymore but okay. yeah i do find it helpful just to write it down because my brain is yeah. so active unless i read or journal in the evening i just lay in bed waiting for sleep to come and visit so i have to just get it all out yeah i know i totally totally get that i, I i'm i'm i, I want to say thanks Gemma, because again i i don't think we should ever take for granted someone coming on and talking about journaling or or counseling or any of those things we are in the space between something that wasn't talked about and something that will be talked about incredibly freely and so i don't take for granted you coming on and sharing that with us so thank you for sharing that because like you said i think feeling the pain is so important and to share that i think is really lovely so thank you very much we really value that no no worries. Uh, no we've got we've got two more questions two more choices so the third choice is what's on the playlist say you know nan and whitney and the bfg have strolled on and and you're bored of me already so you want to put the earphones in just to have a minute's peace what would you be listening to oh gosh um do you know what it'd probably be something from sister act oh like joyful joyful love yeah the... that one so probably something like that that's just a really good pick me up and yeah. i love watching it because it's so like 90s or early noughties and it just yeah it takes me back because i'm sort of the same generation so I, yeah golden days golden days for all of us 38 year olds Gemma. golden yeah, days yeah and i and i watch it and i can watch that movie and i will laugh and cry at exactly yeah. the same thing every time yeah. so even listening yeah. to the soundtrack it just brings back so many great you know memories what, yeah yeah wonderful oh I'm, I'm in on that if i can borrow an earbud I'll, I'll have some I'll have some wipes don't worry I'll, be all, I'll clean I'll have some anti-back don't worry now question three uh, is how do we receive joy how do you receive joy in your life I think it's like what I said earlier and unless you are in a place to receive it and believe it I think we find it very difficult some of us struggle with our self-worth and so therefore don't feel like we are worthy or deserving of mm. of happiness because we don't believe that we are good people we've mm. done things that we know we shouldn't have done and we feel disappointed in mm. ourselves we feel like God's disappointed with us so I think it's just actively opening your hands and receiving it and, and saying thank you. Um, I don't think that those of us that do struggle with our self-worth are very good at accepting a compliment. We kind of just bash it back. Or someone says, oh, I like your top. You're like, oh, this old thing. Oh, yeah, it's been in the wardrobe for ages. <laughs> and and I, I really have had to consciously receive mm. praise. And so when someone says that to me, I just say, thank you. But then I think, are they are they saying that because they then want me to say where I got it from so they, they could get the same thing? And I just have to quieten wow, my mind a little yeah. bit. But um, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm still on a journey with that. But I think it's just realizing that people aren't all bad. And if people want to 
share something don't think there's a catch and just receive mm. that and, 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 and allow yourself to believe that you are deserving of that good thing. You haven't done mm. anything to earn it. That is freely given to you, freely. Mm. You don't have to pay mm. anything back. We talked about who was coming and obviously you talked about people, but you, you talked about your nan and you talked about uh, Whitney Houston. You talked about the BFG as in the memories of the way they made you feel or what they did. And then we talked about suffering and you very quickly talked about your counsellor. And now we've talked about joy and you've started to talk about people again. And I can't help but feel for you so much of your joy is found in other people. Oh, absolutely. And and somebody asked me the other day, what do you pray for? I said, I don't remember the last time I prayed for myself. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I mm. pray for other people. I yeah. see. I've got a real heart for, for others. I, I have a very discerning spirit. When I see somebody, there's something I can see in them that they need, whether mm. it's a word of affirmation or whether they need some support financially or physically. I just see mm. something and I love that. And I love mm. serving people. I love bringing mm. joy to other people. And, and often I'll get messages from people that um, email me through my website and they'll just say, oh, I've, there's just something about you on the TV. And so I just I looked you up and I found your website. Then I found out that you're a Christian. I can totally see like the joy mm. of the Lord shining mm. through the screen. And I'm just like, hallelujah. Yeah, that's that is exactly my heart's desire yeah. for people to experience the joy of the Lord through me and my yeah. bounding around on screen, whatever shape or form yeah. I'm doing that in. And it's such a treat to be able to do that. And it, and it is true. You know, uh, I said already, my son comes out here and sees you and it's just instant. It's like he knows exactly like you're the person who makes him smile. And if you've watched the proms, if you've watched the oh the pantos and the shows, all of them, they are so joy bringing and to be right in the middle of that how much joy do you get from bringing other people joy oh so much so much joy just when you like walk out onto the stage at the royal albert hall and you see a sea of cbb's fans that are just in awe of what you're doing mm -hmm. and loving it you think gosh mm -hmm. this is worth the sacrifice on my part where i've had to juggle childcare in my home and I've had to jump on six mm -hmm. forms of transport to get mm -hmm. here and I'm staying in a hotel that is really stuffy and doesn't have a window and like all these things mm -hmm. that you think ah oh, mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. it is totally worth it and again I guess that's the interesting thing because again those ones are great examples aren't they because the audience is right there a lot of the tv stuff you're in a very small box <laughs> with with not a lot of feedback other than a, a crew behind I mean I'm, there's not a lot of feedback in the moment sometimes as well so how much are you thinking about how much joy it's going to bring because it's not always there in front of you is it um no but i think that that's a skill that i've had to teach myself to think that when you're connecting with the lens there are a pair of eyes mm. the other side of that watching you looking at you mm. and they're the ones that you want to be able to relate with and for them to relate to you and so it's just a, i guess a skill that i've worked on and developed over the years mm. to try and build that form of relationship with somebody through the camera lens and for a lot of the people listening, whether they're youth workers or children's workers or ministers or people involved in any sort of church ministry, they've all been trying to learn that skill for the past year, right? Yeah. People have gone from standing on platforms, standing in front of groups, standing in front of you know, festivals or big congregations, whatever it is, to looking into their phone screen and going, good morning. And it really isn't easy. And it's a skill that I think a lot of people have taken for granted for those that have been in the industry a long Absolutely. time, make it look easy. But I've been doing a lot of training with lots of people in churches and helping them mm. to develop their screen presence. And so, yeah, if anybody wants any help with it, then just get in touch because I would love to be able to support you. Do, I mean, honestly, I, I'm so with you. I, I think again, hosting, uh, presenting, all of that, people sort of assume it's just turning up and, and it's easy to do. And actually it isn't, there is a real skill to it. So that's good to know if people would 
like any help with that. I mean, I probably should have done that before I started this podcast. I'm sort of 15 <laughs> episodes too late. But I might. Um, if anyone wants to put it in for that, I'll I'll go and get some training too, shall I? Well, you can make this whole thing better. Thank you. That'd be good. Thanks. <laughs> uh, one more choice. One more question, if that's okay. Yes. So choice number four. It's the final one. What is in the snack bag? It would definitely be one of my Nanny Daisy's Jamaican patties, which are like little pastries, like like a Cornish pasty, but made with like yeah. a, a yellow pastry that's got spices in it, like curry spices. And then inside you've got really mm-hmm. spicy, either chicken or lamb or um, fish. And she makes the most amazing ones. So whenever I try and recreate it at home, I have to ring her every time saying, so Nanny, just remind me, what is it you put in your beef mix? And then she tells me again, like, right, okay. And, and just remind me again, how do you do your rice and peas? Because I've tried doing it my way. Okay, thank you. Okay, love you, bye. And, and every time, but, oh, they would be sustenance for all of us and they would bring so much joy to our tummies. Jamaican patties, I'm there. Mm, Dream. So good. Oh, honestly, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased you brought Daisy. I have to say, I mean, she's, not only is she bringing the convo, but she's also now, but I, I, I have to say, when I asked the question, I did secretly hope that's what we were getting because you mentioned the food in the first answer. I'm very happy with that. Very happy. Uh, Gemma, it's the final question and it's this one. How do you mature in service? I think we can learn a lot from those around us and not just those that are older and more mature and wise in their ministry, but those who are up and coming and youthful Mm. with new, fresh ideas. I don't think we should be closed to the younger generation coming in and inspiring us and challenging us on how we are doing things because they are looking at things from a very different perspective. So I think it's just not being too proud and not being afraid Mm. of change. And so letting those moments mm. of doubt or anxiety just kind of simmer a little bit, but let them die down and just, okay, mm. take a deep breath and let's just go forward and let's support the kingdom in a way that it is evolving and, and not be afraid of that and, mm. and be teachable. So just allow yourself to keep learning mm. and don't feel like we, mm. you know it all or because you've always done it that way doesn't mean you have to keep mm-hmm. doing it that way mm-hmm. actually sometimes change mm-hmm. is really good and I know that often we joke about how oh, Christians mm-hmm. don't like change well I think we need to get mm-hmm. a bit uncomfortable sometimes and, and stretch out of our comfort mm-hmm. zones so that we can further the kingdom mm-hmm. and glorify God who 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 sees how the world and society is changing and we need to keep up with it I don't think we should be left mm-hmm. behind it's interesting we t- you talk about that in a ministry sense for you in your day job how have you seen yourself mature from 13 years ago when you started out to now in terms of how you view that side of your life? Um, I think it's it's been an incredible journey and I've had some great cheerleaders along the, the path. And I think keeping close to me good friends who knew me and loved me prior to my public profile has been really crucial. So checking in occasionally with a good friend of mine that I met when I was at uni or checking in with with friends of mine who live back in my hometown in Trowbridge, just checking in with people who won't let me kind of get let myself get lost in the celebrity world and just keep my feet on the ground. I mean, it's not me anyway to be like that. I and I've consciously, through, by the grace of God, wanted to remain grounded and not get swept away in it. Um, yeah, it, it's it has its moments where wow this is amazing gosh what incredible experiences or this beautiful place I get invited to or wow look at this dress I can wear for this occasion and like lovely but equally you'll find me up at Lidl doing my shopping and you know I'll be looking through all the sales stuff in home bargains like what can I get I need to get myself a bit of a deal on something and that's the reality that's life um 
but then equally like you know I, I just I loved serving my church and my church community and and serving the kingdom in whatever way I can so it's just a case of now going along and doing what it is that God's called me to do and that's to be salt and light and that doesn't necessarily mean in the dark place of the media just in the dark place of the media now but that means in my family it means where in my community mm. and, and it means in the wider mm. district so yeah it's, it's been an incredible mm. journey I feel very blessed to have had the career that I've had and I know that I couldn't have got this far if it wasn't for my faith in Jesus. For, for people listening and, and people who are out there, and it's been a tough year and, and you've seen your industry has changed dramatically, as has the church leaders, the youth leaders, the children's workers, anyone on this thing. How have you seen the last year? How have you seen yourself mature in this past year in ways perhaps you wouldn't have expected to? I have learned to be less judgmental because I think we all have certain expectations of ourselves and therefore we project that onto other people we might expect them to act in a certain way but when all the different changes in laws were happening around lockdown and what was permissible the different tiers and things and and some people were choosing to self-isolate some people were choosing to bubble with their family some people were choosing to ignore it all and hug people and go out and do things I just learned do you know what? I can't judge anybody because I know that I'm doing what I believe is right for me and my family and I just have to believe that what other people are doing is right for them and their family so I can't judge them that's a, a, a lovely way to finish because I think that's a wonderful yeah what a wonderful sign of maturity that sense of being able to kind of go yeah I think it was Keanu, I saw a quote from Keanu Reeves this week and uh, he said uh, uh, one of the things someone said how do you stay so grounded he said I've learned to realize that if someone says one plus one equals five I say cool have fun with that it's <laughs> a certain yeah. amount of just yeah, yeah. There's a beautiful simplicity. That I'm sure it doesn't work in every situation. I'm sure there are things we're going to have to stand up and use our voice and speak yeah, out against. But on the whole, one plus one, if you want to believe one plus one equals five, no one's dying for that. So you have fun with that, right? Yeah. Gemma, listen, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. It, it has been such a pleasure to meet you and to have this conversation. And thank you for being so honest and open and sharing your story and, and sharing and answering the questions and also your excellent answers to the choices. That would be some walk. I wish we could actually go on it. <laughs> I know. I really do. Maybe we'll, we'll do it in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my way of knowing Gemma's not inviting me for a walk, everyone. So that's good. So thank you. That's good. I'm not, I won't take that too personally. Yeah, well, when you're dead, Matt, I'll walk with you, but I'll never speak to you before then. No. It's fine. I, I've, I'm reading the signs. I've got it. It's all right. Gemma, thank you so much. It really has been a pleasure. And I know for people who are listening, uh, whether they have kids or not, people you know, will know what you do and they know what you're about. And I guess they can find you at your website. Yes, um, GemmaHunt.com. And we'll make sure the link's on there. And if, especially if people want to reach out and get some help with that kind of presentation thing. If you know This is not going away, this sense of presenting online, presenting on video. I think churches and ministries are going to be doing more and more of it forever now. So if you want to get better at it, because it is a skill, uh, Gemma would be a great person to talk to. Gemma, thank you so much. It has been such no a worries. pleasure. And uh, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Well, what an absolute joy to talk with Gemma. And I want to encourage you to check out her website, which is GemmaHunt.com. There you'll be able to find out more about what Gemma is up to and also ways to get in touch if you'd like to find out more about Gemma's Presenting Skills workshops. That's it for this episode, but don't forget to share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. And you can also now access our brilliant sketch notes and small group questions that accompany each episode. Just search for the All Terrain Podcast or click the link in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain Podcast.